This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Blatt, his trusty co-hosts Will Sterling, Jeff DeRay, and sometimes the lovely Zia Anderson. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. Joining me now is Danny Rossi, who provides the vocals on a great song, Light Me Up, parentheses, Enjoy the Ride, as part of a project called The Outliers. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate it. Before we talk about the song and The Outliers, and uh, get ready for me to ask the question I'm sure everybody asks, which is about the spelling of the band, but that's later. I wanted to start <laughs> off, because I was reading your bio online, and uh, you grew up in uh, in Montreal, and I guess you're a uh, first-generation Canadian. Your Italian parents are as Italian as you can get. Like, they moved to Canada from Italy, right? Yep, they sure did. <laughs> was there was there uh, music in, in your family history, you know, back in the old country, as they say? Or was this uh, not something that they had in mind for their son? Or I, I don't think they had it in mind for me uh, at all, really. I mean, one of my uncles, I, I guess that's probably why I got into music. One of my uncles uh, played guitar. He, he was in bands since he was young and he still plays guitar to this day and he's in his 60s, man. And uh, I just love watching wow. him go. It's a different style of music than I listen to, but uh, still you can sure. appreciate a great musician. And um, yeah, it was always there. Christmas, uh, you know, having uh, family sing-alongs. And, you know, as a kid, you're embarrassed, you know, really. Uh, says, oh my God, this <laughs> my family, they're not cool. But I think that's what actually made me uh, like music and, and really get into it. And at the time, you know, like you're a little kid, you don't really know much. And they're singing along to Beatles songs. And you're like, ah, this is not like Sesame Street music that I, I'm watching as a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah. But then you grow older and you're like, oh, my God, the Beatles are the best. You know, the, the melodies yeah. and the, the lyrics. You're like, wow. I think that's where it all started for me personally. But uh, besides my uncle, really not in the family per se as like a, a history of musicians right in terms of as a profession but you're but it, it sounds like music was certainly always around and uh you know i think it's uh something like the beatles is going to make a, a a pretty big impression on uh, on any kid just because there's you know there's there's so many different sounds in like a single beatles song you know just like what what is all that you know and i can imagine oh yeah you know really uh you're getting caught up by it what was the point for you when you decided that uh you know like oh i think uh, i'd like to try and do that were you saying like just just singing with the family or or you're saying more that was like oh no no they the family will sing i'm just gonna sit here in the in the corner and listen i don't actually want to sing yeah no, i let the family do that like i said i was embarrassed <laughs> till i was later I was older. yeah sure um the, the, when i realized and I love this question because, uh, and I love telling people this story, is I was probably about 13 years old. And so I have an older brother and we both have cousins just about the same age. So my brother would hang out with the older cousin and I would hang out with the cousin my age. And my older cousin, he, uh, we're over at their place and he's like, you gotta watch this video. And we're like, okay. So my brother who was not really into the rock music as much as I am, we sit down and he puts on Motley Crue Uncensored. Anybody who's watched this videotape, yeah. you've got Vince Neil driving, riding up and down the Sunset Strip in a limo. And then it just switches. The back of the limo is an exposed outdoor hot tub. And he's got two hot blondes in there with him. And he's yeah. like this, doing the interview. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. And and you know what? There was uh, nobody cooler than uh, Motley Crue at that point. You know, it looked like you know the uh, just all the guys. You know, M Mick Mars was oh, kind yeah. of like the you know he was almost like the the kind of the Easter Island statue off on the side. He's like, yeah, whatever you guys are doing, that's fine. <laughs> but everybody else was so crazy. And uh, yeah, it always looked. I remember that uh, Motley Crue uncensored video, and uh, yeah. everybody started putting them out. You know, there was like uh, Kiss Exposed came out a little bit after that. Yeah. Uh, Skid yeah, Row yeah. had one, and yeah, I mean, everybody had the video of like, well, look, look how we party. And uh, yeah, I can see that uh, definitely uh, being an inspiration. I'm trying to think at what point for Mo that was before Doctor Feelgood, I think, right? So was that the uh, Girls, 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 or that was right, right before. Girls, girls. Yeah, I so it's after theater of pain. So uh, yeah. that's going to probably make them a, a pretty early uh, influence on you. And you know, when we were talking before we got started, you said you had an award for Motley Crue on the wall behind you. So uh, that tells me that uh, they were a, a pretty big influence for you. And what is the award that you have? And by the way, do they know that you have it, or uh, did it uh, fall off the back of a truck, or as they say? <laughs> okay, so it's not the original award. Oh, okay. These are, it's a certified. <laughs> sure. It's a certified replica with an authenticity certificate, blah, 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 um, commemorating uh, the gold, uh, when they reached gold status for Dr. Feelgood, you know, I'd say that. Very cool. Yeah. So for me, being a Motley Crue fan, uh, my fiance actually wanted to buy me a, uh, a great Christmas gift a few years ago, and, and she she hit it right on the money. I, I was like, I, I took everything down. I put that up. It's like, let's go. This has <laughs> got to go up on my wall. You know? It is great when you can uh, you can get a hold of those things. And uh, in terms of, you know, just sort of the lifestyle, but obviously enjoying the music, too. At what point do you start you know, doing anything musical? Uh, you, you start just singing for fun. Do you pick up uh, an instrument or two? Uh, what, what how does uh, your sort of uh, evolution as a musician begin? For me personally, so I, I watch this uncensored video. And I am mesmerized because you're a 13 year old discovering who you are and where to go in life. Uh, I, I just become immediately obsessed with Motley Crue. And this is what I want to listen to. You know, it's edgy, it's different than everything else I've heard. You don't really hear it on mainstream radio. And, and in Montreal, we're so limited. We have one rock station. So if it's not mainstream rock, they don't play much of it. You know, so you don't get to hear stuff like Motley Crue on a regular basis. So I'm immediately like, back cataloging and listening to all their stuff and like you know one album wilder than the other and uh, my favorite guy is Nikki six and i go i, got, I gotta play bass i want to play bass uh, do backup vocals and just you know stand cool and just like carry my bass real low <laughs> right and, and and write songs because i i like to think i'm a creative person and that was my thing i just wanted to write songs play bass and do backup vocals you know then um for the lack of finding a singer, I was kind of playing bass, which I I just thought I was going to be good overnight. So I wasn't really trying hard enough. But, <laughs> sure. uh, but yeah, I just started, uh, I started singing a little bit because we couldn't find a, a singer when you're getting together with friends trying to start a band. So then I was like, well, you know what? I'm a hell of a lot better singing than I am playing bass here. This is, uh, this is something maybe I can get even better at this if I put down the bass and just concentrate because it's easier to find a bass player. And I'm not that good at it, so might as well. And, um, <laughs> right. And it and it went from and went from there. And then, uh, okay, you know, you're in bands, and like, uh, we need you to play a bit of guitar in this song, you know, because you're doing covers, you're starting out, you know. So I pick up a guitar, and it's like, okay, doom, just strum a chord. Like that's what I, I still like to do that to this day, you know. But I don't want to do a solo. I just want to look cool with a guitar in my hands. <laughs>
What was, uh, I, I always find it interesting to talk to musicians. What was the, the first concert you ever went to? Uh, and maybe that wasn't even like a, a big moment because sometimes, you know, your parents drag you to something or whatever. But what was the first live music you saw? And then when, if it wasn't rock music, what was the first like rock concert you went to? I, I do believe the first real concert I went to. And again, I was young. My parents were very weary being of Italian descent. Um, <laughs> sure. They, I begged. I, I begged and begged and they let me go to Guns N' Roses Metallica. Wow. Yeah, Guns N' Roses Metallica. And again, this is like, what, I mean, 14 years old. And, and I go to Guns N' Roses Metallica here in Montreal. And for people who don't know, it's a uh, all-out riot broke out. First James yeah. Hetfield gets burnt by stepping. He was in the, the pyro, wasn't marked, and he got burnt. So Metallica has their set short after like 35 minutes. Guns yeah. N' Roses can come out, save the day. But Axl Rose, back in those days, he was not feeling it. And he wasn't in the mood. Slammed his mic down left. And the place is rioting. You know, we, we stood back. I, I was with my cousin and then a friend. And we stood back and we just watched everything. And when the fires started coming up to the upper levels, we were like, yeah, okay, time to go. We get outside and it's worse. There's cop cars upside down and on fire. And uh, wow. we're like, okay. Let's, let's just shoot. And we don't live far from uh, the, the Olympic Stadium here. So we were just like, let's get the heck out of here. And we just like, we, we motored and we just went home. <laughs> you know, that I, I, I remember that, you know, it's funny because when you said Montreal and you said Guns N' Roses and Metallica, I, I you know, that's almost 30 years ago. I, I didn't forget. I remember that. <laughs> I remember MTV News covering that and seeing some footage of it. And, you know, that that tour, that's the Use Your Illusion tour. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of those for Axel. There was a, a an infamous uh, incident in St. Yeah. Louis. And they didn't come back to St. Louis until a couple years ago after that. Like yeah. That was that long until they had them back. And and that's the crazy thing. Becoming an adult uh, really changes everything. Guns N' Roses, you know, this this tour that they've been doing for the last few years, which is going to start up again soon. They're they're always on time. Uh, and, and, you know, they play like three and a half hours and it's like, what, you know, what, what happened to the, the old days where it was like, I remember the first time I saw them, uh, Soundgarden opened at Madison square garden in New York and the ticket said around eight o'clock cause they weren't promising anything. It literally said around <laughs> eight o'clock because, and, and I think That's they cool. went on at 10, you know, which is, you know, is whatever, but that guns and roses Metallica. And I don't know about in Montreal, but when I saw it in New Jersey, uh, faith, no more open, that was such yeah. a, I, I don't, you know, now that I've gotten older, I don't love huge stadium shows, but that's always the number one at the top of my list. When I think about giant stadium shows, you know, getting to see, yeah. you know, faith, no more, the sun's still out, but they're a great band. And then, you know, then Metallica, then guns and roses. Uh, so I feel bad that you got deprived of uh, what was a great concert. And uh, you know, I guess your life was in danger at one point. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it could have been in danger. Had we stuck around a little longer? Yeah. You know, there was a fire breaking out on the upper balcony. And, and then we saw the security guard get thrown into the pile of chairs on the floor and Ooh. then chairs being thrown on top. And I look at my cousin and I'm like, like, yeah, let's go, man. Like, it was, it's like, and, I don't feel like. And that was a, that was at Olympic Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Obviously, it has to be a long time ago. Uh, as, a, as I referenced, I'm from New York. Uh, some friends and I, we did a road trip. It just uh, just the way that it broke down, the, uh, the Blue Jays were playing the Yankees 
uh, for two games. And then two days later, the Expos were playing the Mets. So we went to, we drove up to Toronto and then drove across. And the, I think it was either the last or the second to last season, the Expos were there and just talking to the fans. And it was, you know, look, I think it was like 8,000 people were there at the baseball game, but the people who were there were just so excited and they were so passionate about it. And the food was amazing. And oh, it's yeah. just this huge, you know, I had never seen uh, baseball in an in, in, in arena that size. Like the whole upper deck was locked off. But uh, it was uh, it was such a I don't know. I always feel like it's a good way to get to know people in a town, whether you go to a sporting event or a concert. If you actually talk to the people there, it was a beautiful city and uh, sort of uh, jealous that you get to grow up somewhere like that. You know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there was a lot a lot that you were exposed to growing up somewhere just with the culture the bilingual nature of the city uh, i'm just sort of remembering that uh i had such a great time that weekend uh that we we went to montreal i i know that that people feel like if if they had moved the expos to somewhere that was more downtown they might have been able to keep them but uh uh, at least that's what the people I talked to said. They were really hoping that they could have gotten something. But does a, do they still hold events at Olympic Stadium? I mean, Olympic Stadium, is it's exactly the same age I am because it opened for those Olympics in 76, and I'm 45 now. Uh, do they still – Do they still? Yeah. I mean, obviously not during COVID, but uh, do they still hold events there? There's always events there. Like, I think – I don't know. I'm a bit out of touch. I know they yeah, used to okay. have, like, car shows and stuff like that, or Harley oh, shows see. and uh, – um, as for concerts, no, because I think uh, I can't. I can't recall concerts there because yeah, uh, maybe maybe after Guns and Roses, they were like, "All right, we're not doing that anymore." <laughs> yeah, it could be, well, but it was. Uh, but you know, they, they ended up building a new uh, a new uh, forum for um, for uh, for the hockey team, which was you know state of the art at the time. So that's yeah. probably why, like, it steered away, and the sound was never the best at the uh, the stadium because of its weird kind of half open concept with a retractable roof or whatever oh, it was. Oh yeah. Like you know, you know the, the like the, the delay sometimes by the time it got to the back of the stadium. It was it was notoriously known. When Guns N' Roses came, I think they had already like upgraded that sound system, but uh, sure. it still wasn't spectacular. No, I can imagine it. And, you know, especially, you know, a huge indoor uh, venue like that. Um, well, uh, Danny, uh, in Canada, you're well known as uh, being the singer of a band called One. And I think that, uh, you know, just sort of reading about that, I wanted to ask an actual Canadian artist because from afar, we hear it down here. We know that there's that Canadian culture law that they have it there where I think I can see the huge positive of it is that you give a, you give a leg up to Canadian artists. Obviously sometimes it, it translates a, across the border, but you know, for, for every band like rush that is also huge around the world, I always point to the example, uh, you know, my, my friend from Canada, he lives in medicine hat. Now he's a, he's a huge tragically hip fan. And you re I, I don't really know that band other than the fact that Dan Aykroyd had them on Saturday night live when he guest hosted, but I know that they were huge up there. And I know that they, they recently, you know, they, they finished their run and I know that the, uh, the singer passed away, but I know that that's a kind of an example of a band that's just huge there that I think, in the US people don't really know and there's plenty of other examples of that is it is it helpful obviously for artists in Canada though that they're like we're going to help out our own so that our culture you know our arts don't just become taken over by the United States um it, it's kind of a difficult question to answer uh for me we're, we're in Quebec uh, okay. which is um mainly a french speaking province so sure. you know 
being in the music industry for years now, we often hear of um, kind of like little things. Uh, like, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, you're from Quebec and the rest of Canada doesn't give a crap about you because it's you're from Quebec, even though you're English speaking and writing English music. Quebec doesn't care about you because we're in a French province and right. you're English speaking. So with the last band, we were like, well, screw this. We'll just go to the States and try and go the route of like Nickelback and uh, and some 41. Let's try and get an American label behind us because there's nothing up here. Right. We didn't look too much into it. Uh, so, I mean, I said, I don't know if there's any validity to the statement, but that's how we did it. Obviously, you know, you, you hear about, uh, you know, there's there's all these bands that, you know, you have the ones that cross over. You know, you, uh, obviously, you know, Loverboy have a, a couple of huge hits in the 80s uh, and, and Brian Adams. But there there's always yeah. all these other bands, you know, like like Triumph and, uh, and Anvil, some others that that you hear about, like April Wine. But, you know, then you have like Bachman Turner Overdrive. So there's always the there's always the examples. But, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. Is there pressure in within Quebec to like, well, why are you singing in English or why are your song? Why are you not doing an English version of a song and a French version? Is there is there pressure to do that or is it, uh, it, it do they not look at it that way there? I don't think there's any pressure to do anything. I mean, yeah. as an artist, I mean, what, what are they going to tell you? No, you can't play that. No, this is, I'm an artist. <laughs> sure. what I'm going to do. You know, like, say, yeah, yeah. Say, say, I'm, Ita I'm Italian. What is, I should be singing in Italian in Quebec? <laughs> Like, no, it doesn't make, like, yeah. like, I don't think there's any pressure, but does it change anything? Yeah, I think it does. You know, it, it definitely affects the whole thing, uh, right. the language barrier. So uh, a, a Quebec band might not get played in, in Ontario or British Columbia. Is, is it really that divided in terms of uh, you might get played on the radio in Montreal? You mentioned that there was the one rock station, but uh, getting getting a leg up in the rest of the country, uh, that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, I, I don't know to what extent, sure. but if I mean, if if the song is in French, or oh, is yeah. the rest of Canada going to play it? Maybe in a Pro small Spanish-speaking community somewhere else, you know? Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, no, exactly. But uh, obviously, your your music was was in English, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure that. You definitely had some opportunities uh, there. Uh, talk a little bit about just, you know, some of the big moments in your career, you know, whether it's getting to play in a specific venue or opening for a band that you always liked. What were some of those earlier moments in your career where you're like, wow, I can't believe that I'm doing this in this place or with this band or, you know, maybe somebody joins you up on stage as a guest, anything like that? The first big moment for me personally was, it was one of my first tours. It was like, you know, you leave Canada, you're, you're hoofing it in a van or a truck, whatever we had at the time. We actually, because of a previous tour, basically we ended up playing for, for the U.S. military which was an honor because at one of our shows in like I think Jacksonville, Florida or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a Marine that came to see us or I think it was a Marine, I could be mistaken. And then he tells the USO, next time you guys have a, an event for, for the soldiers, you guys should contact them. They're amazing. So they contacted us and we happened to be on tour. So we just rerouted a little bit. There wasn't too much of a detour because we were in that area pretty much. And we were playing outside to like 5,000 people. I'm like, we're just a band starting out, you know, trying to get our legs playing little bars and tiny clubs. And now there's 5,000 people who are just so happy that we came to play for them because it was a military appreciation day, if I'm not mistaken. They're giving us the tour of the compound. They, they gave us the goodie bags that only soldiers get 
you know, overseas when they're, you know, in at war, you know, to remind them of home, like a Reader's Digest, a beef jerky, powdered Gatorade <laughs> uh, stuff, you know, to make make yourself Gatorade, um, yeah. you know, a razor kit. And like, I, I never opened it. I still have it packed in a box. I didn't eat the beef jerky. I just left it sealed. I, I said, I want to keep this as they gave it to me because I, that was one of the biggest honors I, I've ever had. They gave me something uh, a U.S. soldier gets when they're yeah. overseas fighting for, for the freedom of their country. And I was like, I was, that was, I was just shocked and, and just like my jaw was like open. I, got, I can't believe they're giving me this. Yeah, and I can imagine that that's a great crowd to play for because, you know, it is so much larger than when you're used to playing at that point, but they're just so glad that uh, even though it was, you know, domestically here in the United States, just the fact that you're taking the time to play for them, uh, you know, I think that's uh, it's great. I've always heard from comedians and musicians who will, you know, do those tours and visit troops like in the Middle East and stuff, that those are always like the best crowds because you went that far out of your way but i think it's got to be similar the same mindset it's like you know they're just playing for us so uh that that must have uh been great well i i do want to talk about uh the the reason why we got here i could uh talk to you about uh, music and all this stuff all the time but uh let's talk about uh light me up enjoy the ride uh which uh, sure. i challenge our audience to listen to that song uh, you know, right after this interview and then not walk around the rest of the day with the light me up in your head over and over again, which is what happened to me. <laughs> now the video kind of tells the story and for our, uh, our video uh, listeners, I can, I can show the video, but we can't play the audio because of the way that YouTube works. Uh, that's when they get angry. But uh, I do want you to kind of tell the story about it and uh, how it all came about. And to me, it's interesting because it seems like you're the last person kind of to be involved in the project. You know, they, they kind of, uh, the, but the way it came together during sort of quarantine, I think is really interesting. So I wanted you to take the time to explain to our audience uh, how this happened. Okay. So John, uh, there was the guitar player. I I've known him since college and um then a few years later he, he's actually a great videographer too he filmed my very first music video uh filmed it edited it, did everything and um and we were always cool then after that he we had done some uh, shows together he had his blues band and i had we had our rock band and uh we were always cool with each other you know and uh, i said in college we talked music all the time between classes so john writes this riff and he he likes it you know it's a bit different than let's say his usual blue stuff and his solo work and whatnot so he sends it to max who's also had some uh, good very good success with two of his former uh, bands um and max added a drum track but he's like do you mind if i i snip it up and change the production of it you know rearrange it and he, so john's like yeah man what do you think is gonna work so the two of them are like wow this is really good now so they need bass so John calls uh, calls up his friend uh, JE and JE adds a baseline. Uh, now he's like, you know, this is really good. Let's, let's see if somebody has lyrics and melody for it. So they actually called up Brandon, who's playing organ on the song. Brandon's a bit younger than the rest of us, uh, and he's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't really feel uh, the, I, I can't really come up with ideas of uh, of lyric and melody for this style of music. He goes, but he goes, can I add organ? Because I feel like organ, it's an old school bluesy rock song. Johnny's like, why not try it? So the organ comes in. Um, so this is a few months later. Now they've all done all the work. A few months later, like I'm getting up in the morning, headed out, and I get a message from John. 
And he's like, hey, dude, how's it going, man? Uh, he goes, are you still with your band? He goes, what are you doing? Are you still singing? I'm like, nah, dude, you know, I've been trying to put together some musical projects, but like musicians are weird dudes, you know, sometimes. So, uh, so <laughs> sure I was they are. Having a, yeah, it's like some more than you think, though, I swear. Um, so, um, so I'm like, you know, he's like, you want to try and sing on this song here? If you have any ideas, he goes, if not, no hard feelings. And I put it on and I felt right away. I'm like, wow, like something about this song right away. It hit me. I loved it. And that's how I, I like music. If it's not good, it's like, okay, you want to write lyrics for this song we're recording on our album? I'll write lyrics and melody. Okay, sure. But if it's, it doesn't get me, it's not going to get the best of me. Yeah, sure. So I literally just listened to, that, I listened to that song all day, that whole day. I just kept listening over and over within like two, three hours. I had the chorus going and and I'm writing stuff like in my phone and I'm, I'm doing it in the notes on my iPhone. It's like just like typing it all small, <laughs> sure. you know, while listening to it at the same time. And I'm like, okay. And I, I felt I had something going, but you know, you never know for sure till you, you listen to it back. Um, a few hours later, I had just about everything written, get home. I like literally just shovel food in my mouth so I can just close myself up in a room where I have my crappy little equipment to just record ideas because you know i'm no engineer i go to a studio i i I go to a studio and record properly but to get ideas down so i start recording the chorus is working for me i I, i'm liking it i go okay this is great my opinion but the verses weren't working so i messaged john i go look i got a chorus i go i'm not gonna send you anything i go give me a few more days i go i gotta work on these verses and uh so i just changed my whole mindset completely changed the verses and how I thought. And, and, you know, at the same time, you're coming up with all the stuff, you, you kind of need the story too, you know, whether it's going to be vague or obvious. Like I like to write about something and not just throw words in the air. So two, three days later, I come up with an idea for the verses. I'm like, okay, I, I think I like this. I record it, send it to John. I go, what do you think? He doesn't even answer back. He calls me. <laughs> He's like, dude, <laughs> dude, this is great. This is what I wanted for this song. And he's, he's like, it, happy so like i'm getting excited too like we're like little girls like hey you know like <laughs> like, like school girls all excited you know sure. to see each other again and i'm like okay dude i go but i gotta tell you i don't do anything half-assed I, I go you know people ask me to join their projects and their cover bands and i'm not interested i like doing things professionally so if you want to do this we're going to studio i record it properly and that includes mixing and mastering and he was in agreement with me because that's how he does stuff uh he likes everything professional and done properly so uh so then he, but before that, he's like, hey, he sends back like two days later, he goes, what about these ideas? And and uh, so that repeat of the song, like light me up all the time. That was his idea. I had it a little more simple. And then he puts that in like, it's blowing me away. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think of that. That was that's like amazing. So it came together as just this collaboration of different artists and all different musical backgrounds because that was the whole idea he had i want to do everything i want to put see what happens when i put five musicians well or what's that three four five from different musical backgrounds together and what it's going to give as a an end result and uh so john who was very blues uh max who was more uh, uh well, his background is all is heavier metal heavy metal but not like that just heavy yeah. metal um je who's just i guess just regular rock um brandon who's more into pop rock and myself who was just into heavy rock you know 
Um, so we put all that together and it, it kind of, you just all like the end result. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a great song and it has a, a few different kind of feels to it. And, you know, you made the point about, about the organ, you know, and, uh, you know, having that kind of uh, keyboard sound to it, 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 uh, it, it doesn't make it sound like it's like it is an old song in a dated way, but it gives you that feel, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like exile on main street, you know, like uh, you, you have like those songs with the, with the, the, the organ, the keyboard in there. And it gives it kind of a, it's got a modern feel, but uh, it, it's got a modern sound, but it's got sort of the older feel and uh, it's great. And uh, you know, in terms of uh, writing the lyrics, did you, in your head, did you think of what the perfect crime was? Or are you just like, I'm just going to say it's a perfect crime or is it, is there clearly a perfect crime in your, in your mind when you're writing about it? I know everybody thinks right away. Cause there's a light up in the song. They yeah. obviously think it's about, you know, extracurricular <laughs> burn- activities and, and right. You're, bur- you're burning and, down a building or something. Yeah. 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 You know, or, but, or just, you know, smoking the funny tobacco, you know, like, that's, Oh, that uh, too. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. A, a lot of people like, Oh yeah, it's about, yeah. All the people are like, oh yeah, it's 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 about that, right? And you know, especially perfect crime and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I like to write most of the time a little vague. If the song sure. means that to you and that's why you like it, great. I I I don't say no. It's not about that. You can't no. If that's what makes you feel good, singing along to it, you think it's about that. Good for you. The uh, the song was um, written um, about the first time my uh, my fiance now had just touched me. And the rush I felt going through my body. Sure. And I was like, oh boy, this is new and interesting for me as a feeling. So um, I was like, this is, this is uh, okay. And, um, and it's like the perfect crime, I guess, comes into as, uh, as like, it, it just surprised me. Right. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it was the perfect crime for her. She snatched me up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that the interesting thing when I was, uh, you know, reading the the press notes that they sent to me about everybody in the band and the song, uh, that you and John actually hadn't really talked in like 15 years. Uh, but he's like, oh, but I know who's going to be the perfect guy for this. I think that's sort of great that you you guys stayed in touch, but you hadn't really talked in a while. And then it was like, great, let's just uh, work on this. You know, probably you know when you've known somebody that long, I guess uh, you know you kind of don't miss a beat. No pun intended. Yeah, no, really. Uh, well, John and I always got along, you know, like I said, from college when we used to hang out and like he would strum a guitar and we'd mess around coming up with songs. And even if they were just silly, you know, because you're in college and, you know, drinking between classes. But um, <clears throat> but uh, like I said, then he filmed our video and we did some shows together. But it had at least been 15 years I hadn't spoken to him, you know, that first video with my old band. Right. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of it, uh, so obviously if people want to find it, there is an uh, outliers and it is spelled L I A R S. Uh, you can find it uh, yeah. just the video on YouTube and you can find the song everywhere. And uh, there's the uh, Instagram and Facebook are both outliers bands. So you have this great song. Uh, what is next? Do you, are, have you guys already worked on more songs? Are you planning on working on more songs? Do you want to put out an EP or an album or just more songs? What's, what's sort of uh, the rest of 2021 look like for outliers? This got me, give me the bug back after being a little bit, you know, distant in the, for like two, three years, it gave me the bug back. And I was like, this is, actually a nice challenge too because it's different from what i i had always done in the past which was that heavier rock and um but even with the heavier rock i always enjoy like a nice pop melody so this i got bit by the bug again and like i'm like sending riffs to john and then he's like 
okay. He goes, and this is what I would put on it. And he's like doing that. Then he'd send me stuff. I go, this is great. This is going to be a ballad. He goes, how do you know? I said, I feel it, man. Don't worry how I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> we joke around. Um, so we've got a bunch of stuff, but it was so difficult because this, we've had a curfew for the longest time. And like the curfew is just lifted now. So hopefully we're going to get into a jam room, but it's like, you know, every time you have an idea or you want to build upon the idea, existing idea, it's like, okay, you got to scrap everything and re-record and I'll send the tracks again. Okay, Max, yeah. uh, you record the drums to this. Okay, I'll try and record the drums to this. I have ideas about restructuring the song and adding a part. Okay, bring it back to John. And and I'm like, okay, this was easier when they contacted me at the end when it was done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when they'd already done everything, yeah. But I like being part of the process, you know, because it's like, okay, sure. what if we put this part there too, you know? Uh, but we've got a bunch of riffs. We got one almost completed or like, well, I'll say, I'll say 50% of the way done. Mm -hmm. And uh, But we want to put on more songs. We, we had a lot of fun. You know, will it be all the same members? If they're interested. I mean, I know John and Max, uh, who are the three of us who we're in. And uh, the other guys, if they have time, uh, you know, they're more than welcome. Sure. Uh, they they both they they did answer and they said yeah. Just send us the stuff. So uh, if they're interested, we'd love to keep it together. And I I'd love to go and do a live show with this. You know. I think that that is uh, just at the moment that is one of the bigger differences between the the U.S. and Canada. I mean, it's still not everywhere here in the U.S. But you know, there are people uh, that uh, that have been able to play. You know, bit, like Sammy Hagar did a whole tour of Florida. Bands can play all over Texas for months now. Uh, yeah. I live in Los Angeles now. In terms of up in Canada, what you're saying, like you, they only just lifted the curfew. So you guys are having trouble you know, getting together just to play and jam, much less actually put on a show, at, at least in the immediacy, right? Yeah, it just seems like uh, playing a show isn't something that's going to uh, happen uh, too soon, right? I don't believe, uh, I mean, some places are already, bars and restaurants are open. So there are, already is yeah. some live music going on. Which is which is encouraging. I like seeing that, you know. Sure, um, yeah. But I can't wait for real concerts to happen with full bands. And I, I'm an original music guy. I can appreciate a cover band. It, it's great. But give me live music uh, of original music. I love that. You know, it's a yeah. It's such a thrill to get a response to to something you wrote, you poured your heart and soul into. Yeah, there's a, there's something great about, you know, hearing a song for the first time, you know, hearing new music from one from a band you already like that can be fun. But, uh, you know, discovering that great opening band, which doesn't happen as much as it used to, because, you know, bands will usually tour with other established bands. But when it does happen, you're like, oh, my God, this band is great. There is something really exciting about that, you know, and it's just like, wait, who are, who are these guys? You know, and, and it actually gets you to really pay attention when, when a band's great. So, yeah, hopefully you guys get to, you know, record more music. And uh, it seems like that's definitely going to happen no matter what. And uh, before too long, you get to uh, do some live shows. So now comes the inevitable question about the spelling of the band name, uh, which I, when I was creating the link, I realized I spelled it wrong because it's spelled outliers as in liar, not telling the truth. Where does the name yeah. come from? When did you guys come up with that as the name for this project? When we were decided that we were going to go to the studio so I can record the vocals, I'm chatting with John when I'm like, dude, like we're going to have to find, you know, uh, a name for this band or what? And he's like, well, we're not really a band. Let's call it a project because a bands they get together and, and play. I go, okay. I like, I like that. We'll call it a project for now. And, um, and being of Italian descent, him as well. And, and the drummer, Max, uh, all of Italian descent. I'm like, you know, let's call this like Prosciutto and Melon, you know, like a, the typical Italian, like 
appetizer, you know, uh, at, at the Italian events. And he's like, yeah, he goes, well, we need a more serious name than I think we do. And he's like, he goes, I, I like how the, all this is done. So he just kind of researched, um, he researched like uh, remote, other words for remote, uh, like uh, done from afar and all oh, these, sure. these crazy words. And, and um, outlying is uh, the word, the definition is, uh, you know, remotely or uh, far from a center. So yeah, the center would be the name of the band and everybody was in their different areas doing it. And uh, so he said the outline. He goes, what about the outlier? And I'm like, yeah. You know, and he's like, he goes, outliers. But we'll spell like, as if we're liars. I'm like, okay, he got me. He got me there, you know. And I go, but we need a capital L. I said, I'll give you the credit for the band name. I go, but it's going to be outlier, but the L is going to be capital, but it's all going to be one word. I like it. <laughs> it's definitely a cool name. And uh, it is uh, Outliers Band on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, there is a YouTube channel, and that's where everybody can find it. Uh, Danny, because when we started, we were talking about uh, Motley Crue. What do you think is the best Motley Crue album, beginning to end? Uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of albums that uh, I feel like are, are, are half really good. Uh, but uh, what was uh, as a kid and even all these years later, which one, if you're going to put it on, you're going to listen to it all the way through. Oof. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say Dr. Feelgood. Um, you know, uh, I'll give it to the songwriting. Definitely. You know, like they were all sober. That's when they all got sober for that album songwriting and then Bob rock taking it to the next level, which was, you know, he changed uh, you know, yeah. sound engineering at that, at that time, uh, time period. But from beginning to end, you don't have to skip any any of the songs. Doctor Feelgood is uh, is is my favorite for for that reason. Yeah, I think that uh, the the couple albums that preceded it, both uh, Theater of Pain and Girls, 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 there's a, there's a little bit of throwaway stuff on there, I think, and uh, it also shows just the you know how mature they got, just one lyrically, but then also just uh, musically. Uh, there's something I love oh, yeah. about Too Fast for Love, but uh, it's it's a little raw. I mean, those oh, are yeah. great songs. But uh, Doctor Feelgood, I think, is their their most accomplished albums. And really, I mean, it's sort of it, it, not that the band didn't do a lot after that, but that was kind of the 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 last hurrah for them in that heyday before Vince left and you know was replaced by John Karabi and then came back. I think yeah. that uh, it's it's really sort of like a the the it's like that great run that basically is. I think Too Fast for Love is 81. I think uh, uh, Dr. Feelgood's 89. So it's like they had a great run of the 80s and uh, still did some good stuff after yeah. that. But uh, that's that's definitely the peak. And uh, it's hard to disagree. Uh, well, Danny, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And uh, I, I love talking about uh, your, your history about this song. And uh, I really look forward to uh, more Outliers music before too long. Oh, perfect, man. I so appreciate you having me on the show. And uh we're trying to get some stuff out there. Now that there's no more curfew, we are definitely going to try and get together because uh, it works a lot better when you're in a room together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think getting to uh, collaborate like that will be better. And like I said, it's uh, at Outliers Band, Instagram and Facebook. Our guest has been uh, Danny Rossi. Thanks again for your time, Danny. I really appreciate it.
Joining me now is Larry Studnicki from the High Plains Drifters. Uh, Larry, you guys have a great new song called The One That Got Away, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it again. It's great to chat with you again. Great to chat with you. Thanks for having me back, and thanks for uh, mentioning our new single, The One That Got Away. Yeah. Now, when listening to The One That Got Away, it really made me think about, I don't know about you, but I'm at a point in my life, I'm 45 now. So when I think back to the ones that got away, for the most part, I think, whew, I am so glad that they got away. Uh, <laughs> but should I, should I assume that uh, the pain in this song comes from a time where maybe it was hard to deal with one that got away, maybe in the moment? It, it's, it wasn't a, a song written in the moment. It's not autobiographical. It's really just about that uh, that feeling of regret that you sometimes have over one or more girls you may have known in the past. I, I think I'm older than you. And um, in my single life, I sometimes think that uh, part of what was at issue in terms of either my inability to commit or hers or however things worked out or fell apart, it was a lot of it was a was a timing issue. Uh, you're, you're too young. You're too immature. You're too focused on your career, or she's too focused on her career, or whatever. And so sometimes, uh, you know, you've met someone who you thought was it was a great gal, and uh, you know later on in life you find yourself wondering what the hell happened to her. Yeah, there uh, there were definitely some of those uh, in my life, uh, especially if I was in my early 20s and uh, a, a young lady was unfortunate enough to be in her later 20s and uh, be thinking more long term when uh, I... When, when I you think, were not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, I don't know, let's just have fun. So my now wife, uh, when I met her, uh, she was... Uh, she, when we started dating, she, uh, she was 21, which was sort of my unofficial cutoff was that like, I need to be able to like go to a bar and, you know, get into places. That, that, <laughs> but, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good rule. <laughs> uh, I was, I was 28. So if she, if somehow we had been the same age and she'd met me when I was 21, I mean, maybe we would have been together for a couple yeah, months, you, no you, fault you, of her own, you know, you probably would have blown it. You probably would have been. Hopeless. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Honestly, I'm surprised I didn't already. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I I always say that it it often shocks me that any woman, much less my wife, could stand to be around me continuously for more than a couple of days. You know, so yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I'm very lucky to have found the girl that I that I married. Yeah, I mean, especially because early on, I'm just like, well, I know the way that this goes. At some point, she's gonna uh, she's gonna get tired of me, so uh, I'll just prepare yeah, myself. For realize when that how happens. shallow or immature yeah. you are. Or but at a certain point, you know, we were together for a few years, and I was like, oh, I I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, not you know. So we're together for a few years, and I'm like, oh, I love this girl. Uh, so uh, I I think we need to get engaged before uh, she smartens up and realizes how much better she could do, you yeah. know. So I should I should trick her, but uh, you know I think that uh, it is relatable this idea of the one that got away because sure I mean look you can think about like oh well what if what if the timing had been right for you know the, sure we all have disastrous uh, relationships in our past but there's plenty that were like oh yeah they just kind of ran their course and you know wasn't the right time but there's some of them like well what if it had been the right time and and it's easy to kind of think about you know and I think that that's why. I think the song works because of just how relatable it is, you know? Well, 
I, I hope that's true. I mean, I, I tried to, again, it's not, it doesn't draw on any particular instance sure. in my life. So I was trying to write something that I thought, you know, everyone who's been single for more than a few years and has had more than a handful of relationships probably can find something in this song that resonates with them. And if that's true in your case and the listeners, then, then I've done my job right. Yeah, and uh, this song, uh, much like the last one that I spoke with you about, uh, was "Since You've Been Gone." Or, sorry, I think it was called "Since You've Been Gone." It was "Since You've Been Gone." Yeah, that was that was that that single is still that's still officially the single right now. Okay, this is this is soon to be another single. Soon to be the single. The video's in the can. uh, Oh, great! Summer. We'll probably wait till summer's over, and sometime in September, uh, kind of officially launch this song along with its music video. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and it's interesting you mentioned music video because the point that I was going to make is, uh, you know, there is uh, some very uh, 80s uh, feel to it, you know, in, in all the best ways. I, some people could throw that around and mean it as a derogatory statement, but that is not how I intend it. I mean that it's got a it's got a great, you know, 80s feel to it, and it just made me thinking about, you know, some of those some of the, you know, you can think about like the big videos from MTV and I'm thinking about MTV because just last week they turned 40. Uh, and, and of course the joke is uh, MTV turned 40. Thanks for 15 years of music. Exactly. But, right. right. But when you think about the early days, you know, sure there were, there were huge videos, you know, like your, your Van Halen's and uh, your Madonna's and all that, but just some of the music that I never would have heard if it wasn't on MTV. I mean, sure. Specialty shows like 120 minutes or, you know, heavier stuff on the headbangers ball, but just like stuff that they would play during the day. You're like, you know, I mean, let's just hypothetically say that there was never MTV. I don't know that the pet shop boys would have had a career in the United States. I I think that's probably fair. I mean, I was uh, when MTV, uh, first broke, I was uh, starting law school and uh, we watched it round the clock. I mean, it was far yeah. more interesting than than what our courses were about. And, <laughs> and and some of the some of the videos were just mesmerizing. Some were stupid. You yeah. Know, you, you look back at some of them, you go, OK, well, all right. People were still finding their way in the music video genre back then. But um, some of the old videos from the 80s uh, really hold up. I, I saw a recent Talking Heads video, I forget which of the songs it was. And I was like, that's still a really cool video. And and I've, I've been long disappointed, like so many people, that MTV didn't stick to its guns and remain a source of music discovery for us because it was a great one, and I miss it. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, there there was a point where I had clearly aged out of MTV because it was, you know, the, the TRL and a lot of, like, you know, boy bands meets new metal and stuff. And I was like, well, good, it shouldn't be for me. You know, it should be for, like, kids that are the age I was when I first started watching it. But, I, I mean, I don't know what it, be, it, it came to. But the reason why I'm thinking about all this is because, you know, these, these two songs in particular, the two most recent ones, just thinking about how they would kind of fit in in – uh, you know, in that time and place, you know, yeah. you feel like they, they could, you could put together a great eighties playlist. Well, in, and in, these songs would it's actually, funny, it's funny you say that because uh, since you've been up, been gone was almost instantly added by people on YouTube and elsewhere to a lot of eighties hit playlists. Oh, cool. Even though we weren't a band in the eighties, uh, but yeah. we all, we all musically came of age in the eighties. It, it's probably the favorite decade of music for almost every, every, one in the band. I think I, maybe not every, but the vast majority of us, that was our favorite decade of music. And we made a conscious decision when we set out to make this album and, and this EP is a subset of the album that, you know, where possible, we'd kind of, you know, get back to our, 
you know, to the roots of what really got us obsessed with music when we were younger. And uh, in the 80s, you had you had all the classic rock acts, all of their immediate progeny, and then like the second and third generation after them. So, you know, the, yeah. the Stones in various, you know, all the Beatles were, well, except John Lennon. John Lennon, he was shot during my first semester of law school, but the sure. other Beatles were still around and making great records. The Stones were still making great records. You know, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and then everything that came after them. And then like the weird ones, like, you know, someone like the Pet Shop Boys, or I may have never discovered New Order, uh, but for New York City nightclubs and MTV, or uh, the Style yeah. Council, Paul Weller's second band. Um, there was so much diversity in what was then pop rock was still popular music and all of its little subdivisions were still popular. And it wasn't like today where I listen to a lot of top 40 because I have a 14 year old daughter oh, and boy, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, it's, there's a lot of really catchy, uh, melodic stuff out there. Uh, in the last week or so, my daughter several times played, uh, play, I forget the girl's name, but I absolutely am in love with the song uh, by the girl about uh, prom dress, do you know it? Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know it because go, uh, my give kids it a are just my kids are six it. and three, so uh, go, you know. Give it, go give it a listen. It's just yeah. a really catchy song, but it's it's not remotely rock or any derivative of rock, and, and I miss that on top forty. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's funny because one of the things that uh, I was thinking when I was putting together notes for you is I was going to ask if there are times where, you know, as someone who writes lyrics where you are listening to words and you're like, you know, this isn't the genre of music I listen to. Maybe this isn't my favorite kind of beat, but you hear something and you're like, oh, wow, the, the person writing these words, you know, uh, so by sort of having so much top 40 in your life, I, I would assume that you're surprised by, you know, you're mentioning the song uh, Prom Dress that uh, I tried to look up the name and you know what? It's like M-X-M-T-O-O-N. So I'm like, but that's I'm right. like, I, but I don't even know I how to, know how to that. pronounce it. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. I'm like, we're, we're those guys. Like, huh? Who is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it, it's, it's, wor it's worth more than a few spins. It's a really, yeah. good, song. really good song. Yeah. I, I, I don't, when I listen, when I listen to the, top 40 stations now, I'm probably listening more on a melody basis than a lyrics basis because you've got this whole little sub set or sub genre of primarily female singer songwriters who are, in my mind, they're the spiritual descendants of like Alanis Morissette. They're just whining all the time, you know? And I, I can only take so much of it, right? I understand they're young. They're still figuring us, men, they're figuring us out, coming to terms with the fact that most of us are dicks or assholes or whatever until we until we cross the magic age of maybe 30 and, and start to calm down a little. But they, they just whine, you know? And it, to me, whining isn't music. And so I have to tune out those lyrics when I l listen to them. Yeah, and just listen, no, for the, listen for the music and, and the melody line. Sure. No, that makes sense. And, you know, look, Alanis Morissette's a special case because uh, obviously, it, it, you know, the fact that she wasn't driven crazy by the fact that she had all this pain and heartbreak in her life caused by Uncle Joey from Phil, Full House. You know, the fact that 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 it didn't devastate her and she was still able to make a crazy. Allegedly, let's just say. Yeah, That's allegedly. Like, right. I mean, you listen, yeah. you, you wonder how some of these girls are still walking the planet, frankly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just know that, uh, you know, I, I like I, I think that throughout my 20s, I 
tended to think of myself as a reasonably good guy. And even still some of that behavior, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how women uh, put up with, you know, not trying to be mean, but just our stupidity, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, no, I, I, mean, I mean, look, I, I, I've been telling my daughter, I said, you, you, she's 14. I said, you, you are only now beginning to enter the phase of your life where you have to really dig down deep to try to understand just how deeply stupid and irresponsible boys will be for the roughly the next 16 years of your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a great, I mean, I, so I, like I said, I've got a six year old son and a, uh, you know, soon to be four year old daughter. And so it's like, I'm going to have to play both sides of it. I'm like, yeah. whatever we can do to have my son not be so stupid, except it's kind of inevitable, you know, I yeah. mean, very smart academically, but that's not what, what you and I are talking about. Not so, at all. Uh, not at all. It's the, a the, lot. Two have, the two have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, uh, it, it, I wanted to circle back because you mentioned uh, New Order before, and uh, it, there was, uh, I think this was in the notes for the band, it, 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 for uh, High Plains Drifter, and uh, the the song that we're talking about is uh, the one that got away, but uh, it, it sort of characterizes the Eagles meet New Order, which I think is is a fair comparison, but it you know, made me think that there's that band out there, the Eagles of Death Metal, and then I was just trying to think, I'm like, okay, so you guys sort of have this new wave 80 sounds so can you be characterized as the eagles of new wave that that's i mean it was my phrase i i emailed our producer greg cohen mm -hmm. instantly after listening to one of the earliest barely mixed demo recordings of uh, since you've been gone and i said it's the eagles meet new order and and uh, yeah when people ask me now what's your sound i go it's kind of the eagles meet new order and I, my storytelling approach my songwriting approach is that of a storyteller kind of like the eagles um there's still occasionally some of those 70s soft rock melodic influences but the musical influences are mostly more up tempo and 80s um are we the that was that i like your phrase i'm not going to steal it but well, i, I I like if if you feel that there's a conversation you're having where it's appropriate, uh, you don't even have to name check me. You can just say that uh, you know somebody called us that because now I've called you that, so uh, well, you it, it's not a lie. You know, you it's can true. say that you're right. You're right. It is true. Uh, but, and but you know, being a guy, the, I have trouble recognizing the truth. <laughs> one of the uh, you know, in sort of talking about the '80s, I mean, you know pop music what it was at that point really right through the end of the 80s it really was this mixture of you know rock and roll and hard rock and pop you know and you're you, you know so it's like you would i i mentioned them both earlier when i talked about mtv but you could hear van halen and then that could be followed up by madonna and you know the the kinks did that song gone dancing that was a huge hit for them Great. you know and, and by, by the way i love that song yeah i love that we, song huge fan we, Huge the fan. many different iterations of the kinks were all great to me, you know, and uh, and it's 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 just interesting to think about what a real you know melting pot of music it was at that time. And you know, look, MTV was a huge part of that because it was just like, yeah, we're going to put all this stuff together. But I think you really get interesting influence to people who sort of came of age listening to all of that because there was no reason that you were like. You, you know, and, and, and that you weren't going to think that, you know, Van Halen's Jump or Hot for Teacher were good songs, you know, and like, yeah. you know, and I mean, we saw it in the music because obviously, you know, Eddie Van Halen does the guitar solo and beat it for Michael Jackson, you know. So yeah. uh, I think it's uh, it's very easy to marginalize some of the 
you know, the fashions and some of the sounds of the time, but really, I mean, I think that uh, it doesn't get enough credit, you know, and it's, uh, it's great because sometimes you'll be seeing, you know, like, like reruns of Saturday Night Live from the eighties and it'll be like, like that band level 42 that have that song, something about you. That's a very, I think they had a one hit. I think that's their one hit, you know, and like simple minds and you hear that stuff and you're like, Oh yeah, these songs are like, great it helps when they're put into movies you know it, but it's uh, funny my yeah most of my most of my daughter's familiarity with 80s tunes has has started initially with movies but increasingly she's finding them on in tiktok videos which i find oh, that makes sense yeah 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 but uh so to that end you know as uh, i've read some different uh you know interviews with you and and notes you know you you'll mentioned that you and the guys in the band will be like, oh yeah, you know, uh, our influences include, you know, you mentioned uh, Style Council before, but also like the Marshall Tucker band, you know, and it's, uh, it's, I think it's great to not, you know, be like, oh yeah, you know, we're this kind of band and all of our influences are a similar kind of band. Yeah, we're, we're just, we're just too old. We're too old to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, that's true. You know, we've been around too long. The guys in the band have all played uh, it, many different genres of music. Uh, if you if you've read some of the past interviews, you know that coming on this second album is a tune that Greg Cohen, our producer, not me, I didn't decide to do it this way. Greg heard my first iteration of the song and said, "I love it," and I hear it as a bossa nova tune. And I just kind of sat back and looked at him quizzically, kind of you know, WTF? <laughs> I've, I've, never, I've never written a bossa nova tune, Greg. Sure. And he goes, he goes. He goes, yeah, I hear it as a bossa nova tune. I said, I said, why not? I mean, the guys in the band can probably play anything. Well, it turned out that our drummer, Kyle, Kyle had actually played some of this kind of stuff. Uh, Mike DeCampo, one of our two guitarists, locked himself in his room for about three days and did nothing but listen to bossa nova. And the next time that Greg and John Makem and Mike DeCampo, the two guitarists and I got together, the next time we got together to demo the song, they just killed it. I mean, it, you know, this great bossa nova tune just came out of nowhere. And you sit back and you go, you know, that that it may never get on the radio, but uh, to my yeah. ears, it's one of the it's one of the cooler songs on the record. I, I hope someone will find it somewhere. I hope it can get synced into some obscure, cool indie movie someday or you know, people will never hear it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's uh, definitely something to be said for, you know, finding your way into the into the right movie. You know, I mean, uh, there's uh, obviously there's big business uh, in that. And uh, not too long ago, uh, I, I spoke with uh, Andre Como, who was uh, in the first season of The uh, the Real World. And his he's a musician, but his day job is uh, music placement and licensing. And, you know, we talked a lot about just you know, how important it is because, you know, a lot of movies aren't like, oh yeah, we can have uh, two Rolling Stones songs and a Led Zeppelin song, you know, because that's usually not, that's usually not where your movie starts from. Not not usually if you have a limited budget, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you're, if you're a Disney movie, (laughs) look, I, I was very upfront about this. I saw that uh, Cruella movie that Disney put out and they had the most impressive soundtrack because they were trying to hide the fact that it wasn't a good movie, but it was like, man, that soundtrack was great. They literally had two Rolling Stones songs in it. So you're like, yeah, that's I, I, my, my daughter, my daughter watched the movie. She's a little past the Disney age, sure. but 
but the Cruella thing appealed to her. I, I'm wholly unfamiliar with the film and its oh, yeah. soundtrack, but now, now that you've mentioned it, I'm going to have to go listen to it. Just for a, 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 a 14-year-old girl should like that movie, but yeah. uh, you know, they, they certainly didn't make it for me. Uh, you know, you referenced the uh, the upcoming uh, second album, uh, and and so this uh, this song is from the album, but you also mentioned an EP. So explain what's oh, we, out, what's coming out. I want to make sure I have it all. Yeah, here's what happened. We we started recording last summer. In the fall, we put out a single, Santa Bring My Girlfriend Back. Did really well. In February, we put out the official first single from our second album, which is Since You've Been Gone. Uh, Since You've Been Gone, uh, eight months later, is still uh, doing well, performing at AAA stations. Um, this week was a big week for us. We ended up on the... Uh, media-based list of uh, most added songs at AAA in the last week. So it's climbing, you know, from smaller markets into bigger markets. Um, the DJs who were playing since you've been gone, or some of them anyway, were communicating with us through our radio and marketing people uh, that, you know, it'd be great if we had some more music out there. And we do. We have a debut album out, but I guess nobody wants to go look for it. So we uh, looked at where we were in the process of getting album two together and we were about two-thirds of the way done we took the six most up-tempo songs and threw them onto this ep songs of love and loss and put it out at the end of june just to give people something more to discover and it seems to have worked our you know the the numbers on spotify are jumping exponentially since we put out new material Everything on there will be on the second album, but the second album, the way things are going now, we're almost done. We'll be, we'll spend a lot of time in the studio between now and Labor Day, and that'll just about finish it. But we still may end up not putting it out until first quarter of 2022, just because the single Since You've Been Gone is still working. The one that got away is coming. Uh, and I think one of the two songs that we're polishing off now, it's called Until We Dance. Um, uh, I, I think it, it's another single. You never know. But it, to my ears and sure. and to the ears of the guys in the band, having worked on it so far, I, I predict that'll be another single and maybe the best song we'll have put out off this record. But we'll see. Yeah, well, obviously having the EP out, uh, no reason to uh, rush the full album. I mean, not that it wouldn't be ready, but, uh, you know, you want to. You know, there is obviously the business side of this. and uh, Yeah, I mean, the business, the business side of this isn't really my thing, but I, I listen to the guys that, you know, the guys and the gals who advise us on that, and they, they know better than I do. Um, yeah, I'm always like, let's get it done, let's get it done, let's get it done, let's get it out. But often just get it done, get it out means nobody ever hears it. You know? Right. Yeah, no, that's true. And, I mean, it's uh, it, look, it's, it's hard to know when – new music is out from uh, artists that people are already a fan of and uh it's that much harder for newer bands so uh yeah i think if you don't bombard too much of it where it would all get lost uh, i think that makes sense yeah. and uh, hopefully people get to check out the song and that's great to hear that you know it's being added and people are playing it and uh you know that's all the all the more reason to be like all right let's let's see and let it grow you know i mean so much of what you're talking about i've talked to plenty of musicians about how it's all like we got to get the the album out we want to get those pre-orders for the first week because uh we as whether it's 
management or a record company we're just like yeah because we're gonna basically forget about it from week two of the release onward so we're gonna do all our work going into it but we want it to happen as quickly as possible uh, i understand that mindset i mean there's a uh, as a songwriter i'm always looking ahead to what are we doing next and when we finished mixing the song for me most of the fun is over you know yeah. it's like then comes the heavy work the hard slog of getting it out there uh, getting you know your your marketing and PR and radio people working it, and thank God I don't have to do that stuff. Uh, but you know, without them, no one would know who the hell we are, and they need to be allowed to have time to do their work. But I'm always like, okay, what are what are we doing next? You know, the, the, for me, the most exciting thing about where we are right now is that I get to go back into the studio on and off for the next few weeks with the guys and knock out these next two songs. And for me, that's as, as almost about it's about as fun as life gets. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. So uh, then beyond that point, is there, are there plans to uh, do live shows after the album comes out? Do you have a... I would a expect, I would expect that after the album's out, that almost becomes inevitable. It's a yeah. little, it's a little difficult for a band of uh, older, encumbered and tangled guys to pull that off. It's, we can't just jump in a van and yeah. you know scoot off for a week to play a series of shows um we have yeah, mortgages school tuition yeah. you know all that just all the crap that of comes course yeah. with life as you get older um and, and you know frankly until the second album's in the can you know there, there aren't enough of our songs to play live with two albums under our belt and a couple of cover songs you know we'd be great Go, going back to you know the marshall tucker band for instance uh yeah, part of me, part of me would regret all my life if I never get a chance to get up on stage and sing a cover version of "Can't You See" by the Marshall Tucker Band. Oh, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> you know, I think I think I've got a decent voice for it. I love yeah. the song. There's so many, so many great musical parts in in that song. I mean, it's, yes, it's yeah. a southern rock song, but it's so much more when you listen to all the instruments those guys bring to bear. So, yeah. If people if people want to see us, we're going to get out there. We just the, the logistics will be a little difficult, but we'll get it done. Yeah, I may be in a wheel. I may be in a wheelchair by then, but I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's all a matter of uh, you know. Every time we think that uh, concerts are back, they might not be, and uh, uh, they're back. Yeah. They're back. We well, we just came back from uh, just last Wednesday night. I took my wife, my fourteen year old daughter and our record producer, Greg Cohen, to City Field in Queens, New York. Oh, did you, you went to see Weezer and Hello Green Day? Mega, right, we saw yeah. the Hell Mega the Tour with we, only Weezer and Green Day because somebody in Fallout Boy was rumored to have tested positive he, for COVID. Yeah, and, supposedly someone in the band. And yeah, they missed, someone in the uh, band, that was the rumor. It's funny because that is my next show is here at Dodger Stadium. It'll be uh, Weezer, Fallout Boy, and Green Day, theoretically. Well, it was. Uh, Again, we only saw two of the three, yeah. but the, the crowd was insanely happy to be there. You know, it, it was outdoors, so probably as safe as it's going to get in a crowded environment. Yeah, and uh, look, I'm I'm a lifelong Mets fan, so that might be the last time people in that stadium are happy all year. So, <laughs> I'm I was raised by a mother who was the only daughter of a guy raised in the Bronx who had a tryout with the Yankees once upon a time. So my loyalties do not lie with the Mets. 
Um, well, it's interesting because sometimes a story like that is uh, had a tryout with the Yankees, and when it didn't go well, they rooted. They started rooting for the Brooklyn Dodgers. You know, no. sometimes you have those stories. My but, my uh, mother's yeah. my mother's boyfriends had to take her to Yankee Stadium all through high school because that's what oh, she that's did. great. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, the, the the bands were. I mean, they were on fire. They they were so happy to be out and playing. Yeah, and uh, in fact, uh, Weezer did a cover of one of the Fallout Boys tunes because they couldn't perform, which was really nice. And yeah, you know, I I think concerts are back. I mean, you know, it's been a week, and I you know, it's like if 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 the City Field concert a week ago had been a super spreader event, someone in the media would have been you know rubbing this oh. in somebody's face by now. But they're they're yeah, they're the the media is very kind to point out when other people have made mistakes. Right, uh, right, so. right. So, you know, it's like, never, never quick to retract their own mistakes. Yeah. To go back to a, a larger uh, event the week before that, you know, is obviously they had Lollapalooza in Chicago. And the when you pictures see, from that are incredible, aren't yeah, they? When you see how many people were there, you're yeah. just like, well, I hope everybody uh, is, is safe and that everything turns out okay. But when you see it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a real test. But everything you read about it is, it's sort of it's funny. It's one of those things where I'm relieved to be uh, an old guy who insists on a seat when I go to a show because I don't want to be in the pit anymore. Oh, no, I don't yeah, want right. to be down front. If it's general admission, uh, I, I I might still go if I love the band, but I'm still yeah. going to hang out towards the back. So the fact that uh, that show is going to play at an outdoor arena where I can sit. So there's guaranteed distancing between people. Uh, I, I think that helps. You know, because everything you hear, it's like, yeah, it's really like the pressed up against each other for, you know, four hours where you're watching. Yeah, was, I mean, yeah. again, we weren't we weren't on the floor in the pit. And so yeah. it it was it felt great. And I, I think more than 98 percent of the people at City Field were unmasked. Yeah, right. I, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, New York and, and Southern California anyway are, are very similar in that way, where I think that. A lot of people uh, never stopped wearing them. Some people were pretty quick to put them back because we have to wear them inside now. And I think that, I don't know, that might be coming places there. You know, it's hard to keep track of all of it. But outside, especially because I've been to a few Dodger games, uh, you know, this season. And in general, it's like, well, people are outside, so they're a lot more comfortable. And then the rules are, you know, if you're inside buying concessions, then you're supposed to wear them. But uh, in general, people seem happy to be at anything. You know, I, I was uh, telling somebody just the other day, when uh, I went to a, a Dodger game, it was the end of April. It was like the capacity was still, I don't know, 25, 30%. I was like, this is the best baseball game I've ever been to because <laughs> no one can sit near me. Most people aren't there. And I just remember everybody was so happy. It was like they could call the game and be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, the, the They were playing the Reds. Yeah, the Reds, the Reds plane broke down and uh, they couldn't make it. You guys want to just hang out and eat hot dogs? I'm like, yes, I do. I'll yeah. sit here for three hours and not watch a game. So being, you know, able to see concerts again, this, I, you know, I've seen some live music, mostly outdoors, but this would be, this is the first like real concert I'll get to go to. So I keep uh, expecting it to happen. And, uh, you know, we hope that's the case. It'll and, be uh, fine. And yeah. they, they both bands played great sets and I yeah. mean, they were, they were at the top of their game. Uh, neither of those guys, whether it was, uh, uh, What's the River, Rivers the is the River singer from Weezer right. and Billy Joe or, from or, or Billy yeah. uh, they, they, they their voices haven't lost a thing. Yeah. So that was cool. 
Yeah, no, it's very cool, and uh, you've got me even more excited now. I'm glad that uh, that you went, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah we're, we're fired. We're fired up, and we're we're buying more concert tickets now. Yeah, no, it's uh, this is sort of all I have. I'm uh, I'm 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 still at the step where uh, I haven't been convinced that I want to go to an inside concert just yet, but uh, it'll depend well, speaking, on, on speaking of the Eagles. We're we'll we'll be seeing the Eagles indoors at Madison Square Garden in two weeks. So oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Were they do? Are they doing like all of Hotel California? They're doing all, they're yeah, doing that's all great. of Hotel California. It should be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and then the Garden, I think, is one of those venues that uh, everybody has to be vaccinated, or at least they were when the Foo Fighters played there. I heard. Yeah, so. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. We're yeah. all vaccinated. Well, yeah. So. It's just. It's just like you have to just know. It's like I, I say to everybody. It's like. I'm okay with the rules. Just please tell me what they are before right. I show up. You know, right. it's like, right. do I bring the mask? Do I bring the card? I, I want to do it. Uh, just let me know. Right. Uh, well, uh, obviously, if people want to hear the song, uh, how do they find High Plains Drifters? Obviously, you can just Google it. But you can, uh, you can Google us, High Plains Drifters. Go to YouTube, search for our videos. There are videos out there for a couple of the songs off the debut album, Santa mm -hmm. Bring My Girlfriend Back, yeah. Since You've Been Gone. Jennifer Aniston. Um, they can find us on the web at High Plains Drifters. Drifters it's hyphenated, high-plains-drifters.com. Uh, or go to any of the streaming services and search for us under our name, High Plains Drifters. Or if you haven't heard the single, search for Since You've Been Gone and scroll down below the Kelly Clarkson one. <laughs> That's we'll right. First, so try, try searching yeah. for High Plains Drifters since you've been yeah. gone. Or since you've been gone, High Plains. Yeah, and avoid, uh, avoid Kelly and go straight to Kelly, our, her song too. But yeah, ours is way more up tempo than that. Yeah, and, and Kelly's got plenty of plays on that already. She's okay. Yeah, she's got a talk show. She's she's, got, she's gonna be fine. She's got way know? better pipes than I do, but I, I think our song <laughs> measures up melodically. So well. Uh, before I let you go, there's something I have to ask you about. In researching uh, for the interview, I came across another interview you did, and I'll give credit to the site that conducted the interview. It's called v13.net, and they had a great conversation with you about uh, alcohol. And there was something Ooh. about this that was oh, so that. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, obviously, it's from it, it's from you were a younger man, and uh, when I was a younger man, uh, you know, drinking games seemed appropriate. We we're talking about guys being stupid. Obviously, uh, girls were able to be stupid back then too. And I was thinking about one of the one of the worst things about beer pong was the fact that I even as recently as when I was first dating my now wife. I would always have to drink my beer and then the beer of whatever girl I was there with. So I was drinking twice as fast as whoever I was playing, which I guess if that's the objective, but there was this fascinating game. It's a variation on that called blow pong, yes. which is not as scandalous as it sounds. There's no cocaine on the table. It's not that kind had, of blow. In pong. fact, I made it through four years of college without ever seeing cocaine on the campus. So good for you. It just, and I mean, that may have been me. That may have been me. Yeah. I, you know, but um, it, it just wasn't as prevalent uh, when I was in college as it became later. I mean, certainly in the 80s in New York, it was everywhere. But yeah, yeah. blow pong has nothing to do with blow. It's a, it's, <laughs> a, it's a game of two teams of 11 against each other, kneeling around a ping pong table with a ping pong ball dropped into the center. And the goal is to blow, hence the name blow pong, blow the ball off the side of the opposing team. It either has to go past them like you know, in between their heads or over their head, or hit them in the head, and when there's when you're scored against, you chug a 12 ounce beer, and you play to 21 points. 
And so the losing team in about 90 minutes consumes 21 12-ounce beers. And I was on two successive losing teams in college. And that's about as stupid as I've, and as drunk as I've ever been in my life. And kids, if you're listening at home, don't do this. Don't repeat this. This is yeah. not a safe game. This is the kind of game that I'm a big guy. I'm like a lot of, I'm 6'4", 260 yeah. pounds. I can absorb alcohol, or I could back then, I could absorb the alcohol. <laughs> this, is, this is not a game for for skinny well, little people. And, and no. the key was you were in college, so obviously it's not like you you know, had the bad judgment to try and drive anywhere afterwards. You know? uh, no, not at all. Uh, in college, you just have to right. stumble back to- I, I know, was able to stumble back to my dorm room and sleep for a day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you get to like the rules were very specific, the way you described them is you had to, in sight of the other players, actually drink all 12 ounces because- Correct. You know, there's a- outside on an yeah. open field. Yeah. You, yeah. You're in sight of everybody. There are hundreds <laughs> of people watching. This well, wasn't done in private. No. And, and look, that that's the clientele that I feel like exists in my audience. I think they're going to appreciate this because it'll remind them. And please share in the comments if you're watching the YouTube version or you can uh, always tweet at me at Christian DMZ or at Black Cast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. I feel like we're going to get some stories of dumb drinking games. And uh, uh, yeah. we always... You know, we always uh, we can look back fondly on uh, stupider times, and uh, you know now it's like if I drink one twenty-two ounce beer, uh, I'm definitely well, you know, going to take a nap afterwards. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe some of the people that are contacting you about the dumb drinking games, maybe when they sober up and they're feeling regretful, they'll realize that perhaps the best way to address their blues and melancholy is to become even more depressed by thinking about a girl that got away and they'll start playing the one that got away. Yeah. The girl who wasn't, who was not impressed by the fact that they drank so many beers. Right. right. In fact, that might be the moment she got away was like, Oh, this is when I can sneak away. Any wise girl is going to run for the hills from a guy who behaves like that. <laughs> well, uh, Larry, it's always fun to get a chance to talk to you. And uh, I look forward to the uh, to hearing more songs from it. And uh, the album, whether it comes out this year or next, uh, I'm excited to hear more. Uh, always enjoy talking to you. And I always enjoy getting to hear, uh, you know, when, uh, when I get in my email that there's a new song from you guys. I'm always excited to hear it. Uh, grateful to you for the kind words. We're, we're trying not to put out shitty music. We're, we do our best. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, think, yeah, hey, look, in 2021, I'm not convinced that everybody isn't trying to, you know, not put out shitty music. Every once in a while, you're like, wait a minute, that's yeah, somebody who should know better. They shouldn't have I've put been, out that shitty I've been, music. I've been, I've been really lucky on this EP and on this album. I've been really lucky. The guys in the band have attacked every song with enthusiasm and great musical contributions. And they've produced works that are far above what a uh, uh, just a vocalist or a lyricist like myself could pull off. And uh, I hope people will, you know, track us down, give it a listen. I think someone's going to like, you know, everyone's going to like something on that EP, I think. So I appreciate yeah. you giving us some time to promote it. Really great. Absolutely. And it's, and it's hyphens between each word, right? High Plains. On, on the web, it's hyphens, high hyphen Plains, hyphen Strifters. But go see the videos. The videos yeah. don't have, I was smart enough to keep everyone in the band out of the videos. The videos are only populated <laughs> by really attractive girls from Scandinavia. So go there. Hey, they're, they're, they're speaking, you know, to bring it all back to kind of where we started with MTV. There were bands that were smart enough to know that they didn't belong in their own videos. Absolutely. You know? That's us. That's us. We are that smart. 
<laughs> what do, what do people remember from uh, those those three white snake videos? Do they remember uh, how tight David Coverdale's pants were? No, they remember Tawny Katane doing cartwheels on the hood of that car. Right. So <laughs> that's all we need. Larry Stunicki, thank you so much for your time, and uh, everybody check out High Plains Drifters. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. She's one of the ones.